As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Gork's Red FM. Dylan McGlade, you little dancer. Welcome to this Saturday's Big Red Bench. What a start for Cork City last night. Hattrick hero Dylan McGlade joins us this evening. Premier, plenty of Premier League action today. Man City are currently taking on Spurs. Where's 1-0 to Spurs at the Etihad. Uh, we'll round up the rest of the games also in the league. Loads of GA coming up. Paul Kerrigan is on the way ahead of Cork versus Derry in tomorrow's crucial National League tie for the Rebels. We have Komogi and Late Football. That's all Coming up before seven. Lee here with you until 7 on Cork's Red FM this Saturday and yeah what a fantastic opening to the uh, new first division season last night by Cork City we'll have loads of reaction coming up uh, later on Dylan McGlade uh, spoke to Cullum we'll have that later and also uh, I had a chat with Rory about the game and uh, the rest of the League of Ireland as well of course which all kicked off last night um, Cork of course are in action in the ladies football there in Croke Park John McCarthy will be on the way later on with a report on that as I said uh, it's just a bit of a huge upset uh, on the cards here at the Eddie had Manchester City trailing 1-0 in the Premier League uh, to Spurs at the Etihad. Uh, let's dive in, I suppose, to the rest of, of the Premier League action. Steven Gerrard's Villa side stunned at home by strugglers Watford 1-0 to the Hornets. And uh, it's that man, Emmanuel Dennis, the scorer, who has scored so many crucial goals for them. Uh, he scores against Manchester United as well, of course, before Christmas. And that infamous 4-1 defeat uh, back when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was at the helm. Uh, moving on to West Ham, who missed a chance to go back into the Premier League's top four after being held at uh, one all at home 
to Newcastle. They remain a point outside the Champions League places in fifth. Manager David Moyes says he was thrilled to get the draw. I think it was probably one of our poorer performances this season. And uh, sometimes when it's not going so well, you have to make the most of it. And getting a point from it is something which at least I can keep adding to the points tally. And hopefully it'll be an important one come the end of the season. Yeah, the Emir- at the Emirates, I suppose, also on course for Europe was Arsenal and they stayed on that course with a 2-0 win over Brentford. Mike Lawrence was at the Emirates. Arsenal 2, Brentford 1. The home side had to be patient, but it was comfortable in the end as Arsenal set their sights on the top four. They enjoyed almost total dominance in the first half. 16 shots, 9 corners, but couldn't find the back of the net. But three minutes after the break, the returning Emil Smith-Rowe scored his ninth league goal of the season season with a classy finish set up by Lacazette. Brentford had the moments but uh, Thomas Partey uh, found uh, Bakayo Saka who shot past Raya 11 minutes from time. Late drama Brentford got a consolation scored by Christian Neogard after a long VAR check the goal stood and it finished Arsenal 2 Brentford 1. Chelsea left it late at Sellers Park a 1-0 win over Crystal Palace here's Lewis Mason Chelsea's fans are singing champions of the world at Selhurst Park but for much of this game they didn't have much to shout about because Crystal Palace were absolutely level playing field with the new club world champions but things changed in the dying moments when Hakim Ziyech very much lived up to the mantra if you don't succeed at first try and try again he had a goal ruled out for a VAR offside just 5-10 minutes or so before he got the winner in this one. Marcus Alonso with a beautiful floated ball over the top of the Palace defence from the left-hand side and Ziyech met it with a sumptuous volley which found the bottom corner and secured them a win. It finishes Crystal Palace nil, Chelsea 1. Yeah, just looking at the current game, Man City versus Tottenham and Gundogan has equalised for City. 33 minutes gone, one all between City and Spurs at the Etihad. It was a bad day for Frank Lampard. It finished Southampton 2, Everton 0 at St Mary's. Here's Peter Hood. Southampton 2, Everton 0, a thoroughly deserved win for the home side that continues their very, very good form. The goals that won it came from Stuart Armstrong in the first half, a perfect right foot shot. And in the second half, within a minute of coming on a substitute, Shane Long headed the second goal that killed off an Everton side that stopped started well but never really got into the game after the first 15 minutes it could have been more had it not been for Jordan Pickford and Southampton deserved winners Southampton 2 Everton 0 a timely goal there for Shane Long who could be in with a shout of getting a, a recall to the Ireland squad of course especially with the news of, of Adam Eda's injury unfortunately the Cork native is out for the rest of the season but uh, yeah huge goal for uh, Shane Long and a, a big win for Southampton as well Burnley Pulled off a massive result away to Brighton. Brighton, of course, fell 2-0 to United at Old Trafford during the week. And now they've fallen 3-0 at home to Burnley. Alan Lewis was at the Amex. Brighton nil, Burnley 3. A first league win on the road for the Clarets and a big three points in their fight against relegation. Wout Veghurst opened the scoring with his first goal for Burnley. It was two before half-time when Josh Brownhill's deflected shot found its way into the back of the net. Brighton came out firing after the break but were restricted to half chances before Aaron Lennon wrapped up the three points. Not a great performance by Brighton but take nothing away from Burnley who closed the gap on those teams above them. It's finished. Brighton nil, Burnley three. 
Yeah, Liverpool came back from 1-0 down to win 3-1 at Anfield uh, thanks uh, in part to a fantastic goal from Sadio Mane. Uh, sort of, it wasn't exactly a, a, a beautiful bicycle kick but a, a bicycle kick nonetheless. Uh, here's Shane Pennington. Liverpool 3, Norwich 1. It wasn't a vintage Liverpool display but Jurgen Klopp's side got the job done to cut Manchester City's lead at the top down to six points. They did have to do it the hard way though after Milo Rashidska fired the visitors in front but well, Sadio Mane's overhead kick level matters and Mo Salah then put the hosts in front with his 150th goal for Liverpool before new signing Luis Diaz put the icing on the cake with his third for Liverpool and his first for the club Liverpool's 150th goal this season. Liverpool 3 yeah, so a big day of Premier League action, and uh, I suppose mainly uh, it was it was huge in terms of the relegation battle. Newcastle, uh, just as I was coming onto it, have I passed it? Newcastle, of course, uh, getting a massive point uh, away to West Ham. Of course, yes, we heard from David Moyes, um, so that uh, that lifts them now uh, four points clear of Watford, uh, who got their win. So, uh, yeah, it's a, a huge day in terms of survival. It's mad to see Everton down there. It really is. Like the amount of money they've spent, and obviously a massive club. Like, um, but to have them down there in 16th, level on points at Newcastle, it, it's just it, it makes a strange, strange reading. Uh, United big day tomorrow away to Leeds at Ellen Road. The first time they've met with fans at Ellen Road in about 20 years in the Premier League. So that's certainly going to be a feisty affair. The other game is Wolves versus Leicester. Uh, which I suppose Wolves are still kind of in the hunt. Um, they do have they, they have as many games in hand as Arsenal do. I suppose um, tomorrow, if United win, they'll go four points clear of Arsenal. Arsenal do have three games in hand in that case, but I think two of them, I think at least one of them is against Chelsea. I think one might also be against City. Uh, so it's not uh, as simple as it looks, I suppose, for Arsenal. But uh, yeah, it was a big uh, result for Man United, I suppose, with, with West Ham dropping points at least. So um, in terms of the title race, I suppose this game here, I mean, a draw really wouldn't even make that much of a difference um, even though Liverpool do have a game in hand on, on City as well but um, 7 points in it and to be honest with you it looks like City might just go and take the lead here anyway um, 37 minutes gone and to be honest since I sat down in the chair since we started uh, when Tottenham were 1-0 up it's been all City so far so uh, we'll see what's going to go on there uh, as we go through the show um, of course now uh, on to um, domestic action and uh, it's a massive weekend massive weekend for domestic action as the Air Tristy Leagues returned um, let's start off I suppose in the first division Trinity United were 5-1 winners away to Wexford uh, Waterford began life back in the second tier with a 5-2 win away to Athlone in the Premier last night Damien Duff endured a nightmare start his managerial career we'll hear a bit more on that from Murray later on his Shelburne side were beaten 3-0 by St. Pat's at Tolka Park a really good St. Pat's side it must be said Shamrock Rovers began the defence of their SSC Artricity Premier Division title with a 3-0 win at home to newly promoted UCD uh, Dundalk twice took the lead but they were twice brought back to parity in a 2 all draw with what is now dubbed Big Spending Dairy City at Oriel Park. Uh, Cove Rambers were due to face Longford Town this evening. However, it was postponed due to an unplayable pitch. I think the pitch is actually frozen. Uh, so, so I suppose all all different manner of, of postponements after Storm Eunice yesterday. Uh, also off is the Premier Division clash between Sligo and Bohemians. There's action in the FAI Intermediate Cup fourth round. Rockmount were away to Inchcourt Athletic earlier. They won 2-1 and are now into the quarterfinals at 7 Bonaghy United. Welcome Everton. 
Now, as we mentioned at the top of the show, what a start for Cork City last night. They kicked off a brand new League of Ireland season in style with a 6-0 win away to Bray Wonders. Dylan McGlade scored a hat-trick, Barry Coffey netted twice and Rory Keating on his league debut for the club got the sixth goal and uh, Colm O'Sullivan chatted to the hat-trick hero Dylan McGlade. Brand new League of Ireland season kicking off for Cork City last night and they did it in style up in Bray in the opening game of the First Division season. 6-0 City's biggest biggest win in a long time and the man who scored three of those goals hat-trick hero Dylan McGlade joins us now. Dylan how are you? Yeah, I'm good, Colin. How are you? I'd say you're in good form, all right, today. Come here, I was chatting to you before um, before the season. We were chatting there about three or four weeks ago and you were getting a couple of goals in pre-season and I said, don't use up all the goals in pre-season. There was no fear of that by the looks of it. No, no. Uh, yeah, look, it was... It, I'd said at the start of the season, I've said in one or two interviews now that I wanted to make sure that he scored more goals and, uh, yeah, look, what better way to do it than scoring a hat-trick on the first day of the season. Uh, great win I mean he went up to Bray um, a tough place to go for Cork City over the years in general uh, all down through the years in the Premier Division and the First Division um, and some bad results up there over the years but 6-0 was a huge scoreline last night and I mean it was just a way to lay down a marker for the start of the season wasn't it? Oh yeah definitely like <clears throat> I know from experience obviously going to the Carlisle how difficult it is um, the conditions was not great like we, we kind of knew that it was going to be a battle um, the first 20-25 minutes was just really just what you would expect from the first game of the season kind of two teams not really wanting to, to make a mistake um, and then I think when we scored the first goal it kind of settled the game down and we kind of settled into the first half and then obviously we came out second half and just um, really went for it and uh, yeah look six goals uh, you've got to be happy with that you absolutely do. It was kind of bizarre the second half the way the way it kind of got going with the goals. There was four goals in something like five or six minutes. I, I don't think I've seen that many goals in just just a sport a short space of time in any game ever. I mean, it was just phenomenal, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a bit mad. I have to say, like uh, it seemed that we would just tip off and then go score again. <laughs> um, obviously, the fans loved it. Uh, the boys loved it. It kind of really. I think. I think once Barry scored the his second one I think we really just kind of mm. settled in and I, I think they were just to be honest I think they were just a bit shell shocked and uh, we capitalised on it and um, really just put the game to bed kind of thing You've been doing well in pre-season as well I mean you got you got some good results you got a good result at home to Shelburne last week a good performance and one all draw in a game you could have won so I mean that would have set you up well for the season and you're confident there's a lot of new players in the squad there's a there's young guys who have more experience this year after having played in the first division last year um, you should be set up well for the season and it certainly looked like you were last night Dylan Yeah look we have a very experienced team this year Um as opposed to kind of last year where it was a lot of um, young young lads kind of thing but not a lot of games under the belt. Um, I think after last season, you could even see the likes of Murph and Bagsy last last night. They were excellent, um, as was the rest of the team. Um, I think kind of this year, it really is looking like we're a lot more solid, probably just a lot more cuter. We're managing the games better. Even in pre-season, um, we were playing our Premier Division teams and I don't... I don't really think that we were we looked out of place in any of the games. To be honest, it, it kind of it kind of even looked like just it was two Premier Division teams playing. So obviously that gives you good confidence in pre-season, and obviously we've taken into the first game of the season now, and uh, like we just want to really just continue this run now. 
Um, we're, not, we're trying not to get too ahead of ourselves. Um, there was a couple of other good results last night in the first division as well. Mm. So we're just really looking towards Galway now next week and just hopefully get the crowds back in. Hopefully we pack out the cross um, really create a good atmosphere again. And because uh, obviously it really helps, like obviously the away fans there last night were absolutely amazing. Um, so yeah, we're just looking looking towards Galway and just like take each game as it comes. Yeah, there was great atmosphere there last night. I mean, uh, there was loads of fans up from Cork. The Bray fans were, were there in numbers as well. And, uh, and the, the flares were going off. And some of them ended up on the pitch and everything delaying the game. But I mean, it was all part of it. And um, it, it was great to see the crowds back and, and such a good atmosphere for the start of the season, wasn't it? Ah, look, it's understandable. I mean, it's, it's two years since just really just normal life kind of thing. Um, so I think it was more just <laughs> absolute excitement more than anything. But uh, yeah, look, what can you say about the fans? Absolutely amazing. Obviously, Bray came out in numbers as well. They're the, they're the type of games that you want to be playing in when there's big atmospheres, big crowds. Um, it's a big season this year for us. Uh, we want as many people out watching as we can uh, to come on this kind of journey with us. So hopefully it, it, it ends in a, in a celebration. All going well, I would expect certainly, Dylan, the, the biggest crowd in quite a long time in Turner's Cross on Friday night against Galway. I'd imagine it'll be pretty packed in Turner's Cross. Big, big crowd, especially after the big win last night. People are dying to get back to games. It's between two of the top teams in the first division. Uh, it should be a, a cracking atmosphere and it's going to be a tough game as well. Oh, it should be. And we're really, really hoping for, for a good crowd. I think it will be. Uh, knowing, knowing the City fans and, and the support that we've been kind of getting through pre-season so um, even the Shells game last week uh, there was a good crowd for a pre-season game um, yeah look like I said we just, we're just we just really looking forward to it it's a, it's a huge game two good teams um, it's going to be an entertaining game hopefully there's goals hopefully we come away with the win Um and yeah, just really, really looking forward to a kind of thing. Just getting back out in front of the fans at the cross. Like it's going to be, it's going to be a great night. Great to get the goals last night, but it'd be nice to, to get them into the shed, wouldn't it? And turn us cross. <laughs> I was only thinking if I had scored the last one into the shed. Oh man, <laughs> like that was a class goal. The third one, uh, great hat trick in general, but the third goal was absolutely class. And I was watching it back again this morning on social media. But imagine that into the shed end. Could you try and replicate something like that now on Friday night? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna hopefully I can score a couple of them this season into the shed. Uh, but yeah, look, it was like I said, the fans that were there came in numbers, came with noise, came with obviously atmosphere as well. So we're just hoping for that times another 10, hopefully on Friday. You mentioned uh, a lot of goals in the first division last night. Uh, Waterford got five, was 5-2 against that loan. Treaty got five as well, 5-1 against Wexford. And obviously Cork City getting six up in Bray. So it was a, it was a bit of a goal fest in the first division last night. But you see the big wins for Treaty, Waterford, Cork City there. You'd imagine they're three of the teams who are going to be really up there challenging, probably Galway as well. And it's going to be a tough league between... It's, it'll be kind of probably about four or five teams who are really, really pushing for promotion. Cork City will be one of them. And it's going to be close and it's going to be a tough battle, isn't it? Oh, it definitely is. Um, I was only talking to John Fallon there the other day and I said the exact same thing. It's kind of looking like it's nearly any team really could kind of could kind of go for it. Even Wexford have put together a good side. I know they got beaten there the other night, but they've put together a good squad as well. Um, there's got obviously us... Uh, Longford Waterford Galway like all kind of going for for the league really um, so it's really shaping up to be a really exciting season um, there's going to be a lot of good games a lot of big games 
um, a lot of derbies as well this year. Uh, so, look, yeah, just really looking forward to it. And obviously, this, the squad as a whole is really looking forward to the challenge. And look, you, you want you want every game each week to be a tough game. You know, like you want to have to get yourself up for games. Like I know at the start of last season, there was no crowds. Um, some of the some of the teams were kind of further off than the top teams, and like people won't admit it, but it's hard to psych yourself up for them games. Like it's it's, it's not going to be hard to psych psych yourself up for Galway at home at, at the cross with a big massive crowd. Like you know what I mean. So um, we're really looking forward to them type of games this year, and hopefully. Like I said, we can uh, entertain uh, the crowds and obviously score goals and make sure that they keep coming back every week. Well, there's certainly goals in the team. I mean, you're you're banging them in. Barry Coffey's been banging them in. He got two last night as well since he signed uh, last season. He's got quite a few as well. Keen Murphy, we know he got he gets a lot of goals. He scored against Shell. So there's there's a lot of goals in the team this season, isn't there? Oh, there's definitely. There's, do you know what? There's a lot of goals. There's a lot of pace. Um, there's a lot of excitement. Even. Um, James Dunn coming on um, last night as well. You can see his trickery and, and you can see he's going to be an exciting player for us too. Murph is going to get his goals this season. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, he didn't score last night, but look, he worked his absolute socks off. Um, I'm sure he won the flick on for my first goal and then obviously played me through for my third goal. Um, he's really come on leaps and he, he's come back into pre-season looking strong, fit. Um, we obviously know he's fast. Uh, Rory's going to score your goals. Bagsy's going to score your goals. Um, even from midfield, like you say, uh, Barry coming from midfield is going to score your goals. So look, it's it's really exciting. And look, we we came away with a clean sheet as well. Um, the boys at the back were absolutely immense. And like it's so it's so much easier for us, the attacking players going forward when we kind of have that knowledge that the boys are going to lock it up behind and, and we can kind of gamble and take a little bit more chances because we're confident in the boys behind us and the boys behind us are confident that we're going to go score so look it's 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 exciting um, like I said we're trying not to get too ahead of ourselves uh, but I think if you were there at the game last night and you watched the game you could you, you can kind of see the type of yeah. team that we're going to be this year and um, hopefully like I said finishes good the hat trick for yourself last night. Have you got many hat tricks in your career before? Was that the first one, or have you had a, uh, done a no, few? That's actually, that's actually my third. Is that's it? My third career hat trick. Yeah, um, I scored one at Longford, um, and I scored one at Prey actually as well. Nice. So that's my second hat trick at the Carlisle Ground. Second, that's impressive. I, I, there's probably not too many fellas who've had two hat tricks at the Carlisle Grounds, you'd imagine, in no, their career, especially with so. with two different clubs as well. So uh, that's good going, and hopefully you might get a, a fourth one at some stage during the season this year, Dylan. Uh, so it's all eyes on Friday. Galway, the opponents, and as we said, we want a big crowd down at Turner's Cross, and I suppose they, they, there'll be a good buzz in the squad for the week now ahead of that as well, won't there? Yeah, there will definitely. Um, look, we're recovering this weekend, uh, getting ready for Monday, and obviously getting ready for Friday, and just try and carry on this uh, this good start for us great stuff hat-trick hero last night Dylan McGlade listen Dylan we'll see you Friday night down the cross thanks for chatting to us alright cheers Tom see you later all right then, Rory. A uh, blistering start, I suppose, to to the new season. Um, hopefully, I suppose the last time the Cork City will be kicking off the first division season. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Anyway, and I mean, like, it's always kind of nervy at the, the the first game of the season. Like preseason is preseason. Like you don't know. That's not a real barometer of your form or how you're going to go. And there's a lot of pressure and expectation on Cork City this season. You don't know how they're going to line out. And it was just. 
a, a superb performance from them from start to finish. I mean, like they defended well, they they transitioned well, they attacked well. Um, you can argue that Bray maybe weren't the best, but you can only beat what's put in front of you. And this is a real yeah. statement of intent, Aiden, I think, from Cork City. This is their... They, they want to get promoted this season. They want to get promoted by, by winning the league and, and doing it in style. And no better way than scoring six goals in, in, in your first game and kind of really sending out a warning to your rivals that, yeah, we are the team to beat this season. It feels almost like it's been two years coming or something. Like I was in the shed uh, for that game against Shelburne, the first game of the season in 2020. And uh, like that was such a kind of frustrating affair. And that season was very frustrating, obviously. But yeah, it feels like finally that this kind of splurge of goals was just kind of waiting to happen. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, like um, Colin Healy has been playing some very nice football. And the thing is with that team is that they all work very, very hard. You can see that from the 90 minutes. They just did not give up. They were relentless all the way through. And there's obviously some fantastic performances last night. Um, Barry Coffey, um, um, who was a massive sign to get on loan again this season because we all knew how good he was last year and you're thinking right he's going to move on and go to, uh, go to another club now or, or go back to Celtic but to have him uh, again for the first half of this season is a real coup and you can just see the talent and the quality that he has popped up with two goals last night makes things pick for Cork City and he is the biggest signing that they've made in the off season I, I, I do believe that but uh, Dylan McLeod is the, the man who's going to grab all the attention um, mainly for that bleach blonde haircut that he was sporting last night anyway <laughs> he knows what he's doing certainly knows where camera is does our Dylan um, but look take, like he's just so good when he is on form he is the best winner one of the best attackers in the country and just the flair the swagger the cockiness from him when he's on form that's translates through the side and the kind of um, it's infectious and the rest of the side pick up on that swagger and that cockiness and they, they take their key from him and when he's on song City are very 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 hard to beat because they will score goals and look Dylan took two fantastic finishes last night and it's just the third goal last night Aiden, yeah. was just a thing of beauty chipping the keeper edge of the box it was just a sublime finish and I just showed you how good that this boy is and just how good he can be. And he's only going to improve as the season goes on. More goals, uh, more games, more confidence. He's a real confidence player and there's no better way than to score a hat-trick in your first game of the season away in Bray Wanderers. Uh, it's just, it was the perfect start for City. I didn't know what to expect last night going in. I didn't go up to Bray last night, but I was watching on LOI TV and I didn't know what to expect and just for City to perform this well Aiden and to to, yeah. to to get the six goals it's just beyond what I expected and I was a very very happy man this morning Also with Dylan like there's a maturity there now he's one of the leaders mm. in this team now he's this is his third season at Cork like he's so well settled now in the club and he really is a kind of a massive character now in, the, in that dressing room yeah, he is. Yeah, and look, that that maturity comes with um, just I suppose playing more games and and stepping up and becoming a leader in this team. Um, he is, a, as I mentioned, he's a form player. He's a confidence player, and he's um, added the ability to work. We know like that he's got the raw talent. He's got the raw materials to be one of the best players in the country. Um, but he's also added work rate to that, which is very very impressive. Um, and you combine 
um, his skill, his natural skill, which we know he has bags of, he's got skill to burn. And you couple that with the work rate that Colin Healy um, demands from his players, he is going to be the best player in the first division this year by a country mile. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that he will be um, player of the year and he could be very, very close top scorer as well, Eden. Yeah, I was just I was just talking to Cullum in the studio here earlier today and like we were on about how the Galway game now next week. It was always gonna be a huge game. But now mm. it's like it's so much more exciting having had a such a big win. Like if last night was an edgy one all draw or even a one nil win, like you'd have been very nervous yeah. going into next week and now like Turner's Cross is gonna be absolutely electric next weekend. And you know what else? Um, that result last night is going to add maybe five or six hundred onto the gate, if not more, next yeah, season. Definitely. Or ne- next Friday, I should say, because they're, they they now see that this is an exciting Cork City team that are there to score goals. They're there to entertain. And Cork people will come out and support a winning team, but they'll also support a team that they know is working hard. Uh, and is an honest team and this is a very hard working honest Cork City team I mean like you go through um, the starting 11 from last night it's um, just hard working all the way through I mean like you've got the likes of uh, Coleman there in the middle who is uh, he's grown into that captain's role Gilchrist looked very very solid last night to add to that like Kevin O'Connor who's got bags of experience he's a Premier Division player playing with Cork City as is uh, Gilchrist um, Dylan McGlade um, Cian Bargery um, Cian Murphy they're all Premier Division players Aidan like and they're playing for Cork City so um, there is so much talent in that team it's an exciting team and I cannot wait buddy to get to turn his cross next Friday night Absolutely it's going to be a huge one of course it's Galway's first game because of that merger there's only nine teams in it now and there is the kind of one, one odd team out every week um, also of course I suppose quickly before we finish up the Premier Division also kicked off last night and uh, it wasn't a great start for Damien Duff and Shelburne but I suppose that's a really good St. Pat's side that'll definitely be a yeah. title challenger this year St. Pat's are brilliant yeah. they're, they're a very good side and they've talent all the way through um, Damien does going to find it hard Aidan um, yeah. it, the, the League of Ireland is a very very hard league to manage in and he's a, a new manager to, it's, it's, it's a big job as well Shelburne um, are a, a big club well they are in their own heads I suppose anyway but like they are a big club and the the weight of expectation on them is a lot I think he's going to, to, to find it very very hard this season um, because that is a hugely competitive Premier Division I mean like as you mentioned St. Pat's there and, and then you've got like the likes of Shamrock Rovers Dundalk even Derry City it's going to be a very very tough Premier Division um, thing uh, campaign I should say yeah. and um, last night was certainly a bit of a baptism of fire for Damien Duff um, but look I suppose things are going to get better for him but as I say I think he's going to find it very very hard in the Premier Division this season just looking at a few highlights from both both the first division and the Premier Division, like the quality, like and the pitches were shocking last night, nearly everywhere, pretty much. Like, <laughs> uh, like the pitch looked very heavy in Talca Park as well. But like the quality of play is so far ahead of what was there uh, like three or four seasons ago, even. Yeah, it's definitely evolved, and it's definitely. I suppose that's where the game has gone. I suppose um, worldwide, but like they, it, when you've got quality managers like. Um, say like Colin Healy now for Cork City and you've got John Caulfield in Galway uh, in the first division alone do you know what I mean there are quality managers all over the league and you've got quality players I mean, like look at the, the, the talent that's in that Cork City team um, and once they start playing football they're a, a pleasure to watch like they were last night um, so uh, look it's early days Ed, we don't need yeah. to get carried away yeah. it's only one 
win. They only have three points on the board. But it's hard not to be excited based on what you saw last night and based on the, the fact that they scored six goals. And look, it, it, it's going to be massively exciting. And you get three points against Galway now next Friday night and you're, you're off to the races. It's, it's, it couldn't get any better. So fingers crossed for three points. Fingers crossed for a great game. Great atmosphere. And uh, yeah, it'd be fantastic. Exactly. Quick start's all we ask for. Rory, thanks a million. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, Rory, fighting through the pain barrier with the help of City's big win last night. We have Ireland women's manager Vera Powell coming up. Also, Paul Kerrigan on Cork versus Derry and Camogie and ladies football updates. That's all after this. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Red FM. Aidan Lee here with you until 7 Let's get a halftime report from Manchester City versus Tottenham. Man City 1, Spurs 1 at the break. Spurs are going to be disappointed with the scoreline here. They went 1-0 up with a good move from back to front. Zombie at the offside trap after Kane's pass before squaring for Kulusevski to grab a goal on his first Premier League start. The visitors get the host at bay, but for Gundogan hitting the post. But then on 32, Lloris spilled a sterling cross straight to Gundogan who slotted home. Spurs have looked dangerous on the counter, especially with Son. City frustrated by Spurs, slowing the game down at every opportunity. It'll be an interesting second half here at the break. Man City 1, Tottenham 1. Yeah, and also Croke Park, 52 minutes gone. Dublin lead Cork, uh, 114 to 23. We will hopefully have Joe McCarthy if the game is wrapped up in time uh, with a quick report uh, before 7 o'clock. But uh, yeah, a goal actually by, by Anya Terry O'Sullivan uh, just in the last few minutes. So a bit of a late flurry, but um, probably not going to be enough, unfortunately, uh, for the Rebels. And uh, I suppose just before we go back to Gaelic games, um, the Republic of Ireland are in a semi-final tonight um, and player development is the focus. Uh, they prepare to face Russia in the Panatter Cup this evening, the game which will be streamed via FAI TV. Uh, it'll kick off at half seven hours time and uh, there'll be a new look to the team. Manager Vera Pau is set to rotate the starting 11 from the one that beat Poland 2-1 in dramatic style in the quarterfinals on Wednesday. Here she is. Vera Pau getting ready for the second game in the Pinatar tournament. Um, good start to the tournament, Vera, now up against Russia in the next game. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it was a fantastic win that we had. Um, it was not only the win, because you can win with luck, but I think that we were the better team um, and that we haven't showed this composure and this control over the game so far against an opponent of this calibre. You, you've always wanted to test yourself against higher opponents. Poland or another team ranked ahead of us. And it was a different type of game. It wasn't a very physical at times, but as you said, held our composure, particularly in the second half. Yeah, we have tried um, uh, another centre midfield with Russia Littlejohn and, of course, Megan Connolly, who's always there. Um, Russia came on against Slovakia, did really well against Georgia, and now this was the first uh, lineup in that position as a sitter. And we're really pleased by that because she, uh, uh, together with Megan, uh, created an anchor uh, in front of our three centre midfielders, um, which gives us the strength to get Katie further forward. And we've either even played Heather Payne on the other side, uh, see if we can get use of her pace more, more than uh, we get now. So um, we've tried several things and, and playing then at that level again and again better than before. It's just amazing. We're true. 
now to the semi-finals because of that win but it was always your intention to rotate the team for the second game was it? Yeah they call it a, a semi-final but let's not do that it's a friendly tournament and we're very happy that we have three games so the next game um, will be a complete different team playing all the players that usually do not play will play uh, but we will not change our strategy or our playing style um, they have to fill in their tasks but of course we, we are going to put the actions related to, to the players that are playing that's, that, that's always the case so we do that also now and obviously for those players it gives them a chance to impress but also strengthens the squad depth overall as well. of course uh, you need to grow as a team to be able to qualify it's uh, the whole team uh, it's now 27 players but also the standby players we put energy in so that the whole um, core group is growing to another level uh, you always can have injuries or um, other, other things that happen um, but other than that uh, they are growing because they're always 100% there in the training sessions um, and what we always do is uh, Tom Elms, my, my assistant, he's taking uh, the opposition team and I'm taking then the team that is uh, starting but that is the reason why they get coached as much as the ones that that's starting and um, it pays off because if you see when they train um, after the game eh, the, the others were playing straight after the game within five minutes we were on the training pitch to train with the ones who play on Saturday um, you you missed the level and the growth that we uh, that we are going through with each other and it shows the talent that we have it's just a matter of uh, creating the opportunities for them to develop and Saturday is a game to do that and the, the game as well the approach will be very similar in the sense of that the girls because of the training and the consistency of being in squads they now know what to expect when they come in and be selected yeah exactly because the training for them is within the same structures and the same kind of coaching so the frame is clear uh, the task are clear and they get the opportunity to show it now against high opposition Fira Poe there ahead of their semi-final in the Panatta Cup quite interesting that, that she is being brave and taking that view because a lot of the time especially with a, a, a country like Ireland you can go to these competitions and just play the same 13 or 14 players and try and win it but a much broader view um, you really hope the FEI are are using uh, her as, as much as possible while she's here because she's a very deep thinker about the game and uh, hopefully they get as much positives out of her as possible um, even uh, she's so much knowledge as well about uh, underage structures um, she was involved heavily in the Netherlands as well setting up underage structures there so uh, a massive character to have around Irish football uh, Dylan McGlade wasn't the only man to score a hat-trick last night Simon Zebo scored three tries against Edinburgh at Thoman Park last night the 34 points to 20 bonus point win takes them back to within a point of the URC leaders Ulster uh, Leinster have the chance to move to the top of the United Rugby Championship table this evening uh, Leo Cullen's side will leap, leapfrog Ulster themselves if they beat Ospreys in their 5pm kickoff. Uh, Connacht are away to Scarlets at 7.35 5pm kickoff. I've missed that majorly uh, that went over my head uh, a big test uh, tomorrow evening moving on to Gaelic games we'll find the results uh, in that rugby game a, a bit later on uh, just before we move on to Paul Kerrigan ahead of the Cork and Derry game tomorrow it's 2.14 to 2-3 now Croke Park a penalty for Dublin converted by Hannah Tyrrell so uh, probably game over there a few minutes to go uh, yeah big test tomorrow for Keith Rickens men uh, they travel to Owen Big to face Derry in Division 2 of the National League and uh, as aforementioned I spoke to Paul Kerrigan ahead of that one Paul Kerrigan of course All-Ireland winner with Cork in 2010 joins me uh, Paul first of all thanks for coming on no matter at all thanks very much 
Uh, Cork versus Derry in Derry tomorrow, uh, tomorrow Sunday. A uh, big test for Keith Rickens men. Yeah, yeah, I'd say probably away to Derry is probably the biggest test they're probably going to face in the league, I'd say, you know. Um, uh, I think Derry kind of found their feet last year. They were uh, unlucky not to push on in the Ulster Championship and um, I'd say they probably really know what they're about, you know. Um, I think they, they, they also have the Schlockney lads, you know, they have, let's say, um, Connor Glass and uh, Anton Toll back from Australia. So, look, they're, I'd say they'll be aiming for definitely promotion themselves in Ulster so, and to win Ulster so Cork will I think it'll be their toughest test you know um, long journey now you know, they're probably only arriving up there now and then they're playing out now on a bike tomorrow which is another bit out from the city you know it's kind of a, if you compare to Mallow and Cork you know what I mean that kind of a setup yeah. so yeah they have a nice journey to go and they'll have a, a real tough test as you said well, I suppose the Finbars contingent are, are back from Cork and uh, straight in are Billy Hennessy, Ian McGuire and Stephen Sherlock. So a uh, big boost for, for Keith. Absolutely, and well-needed kind of reinforcements. I think um, kind of a good shot lads in, in their mid-20s like to, to bring up the age profile and the experience a little bit. Um, I think uh, Brian Hayes is in as well, but I don't know if he's, if he's fit enough to, to start this again. But definitely, um, I suppose, we all kind of know what McGuire brings. Uh, he'll just bring that leadership and that big target man and work right around the middle but very interesting to see how the other two get on you know um, especially Sherlock I, I was a big fan of him when he was in there probably thought he didn't get a fair crack in the whip so he's a couple of years older now and hopefully he'll be a, a mainstay for Cork and then obviously Billy Hennessy um, kind of came out and played football with the Bears this year um, just physical physical presence bit of a dog need a couple of those so uh, it'd be interesting to see how those two get on especially I suppose an important body as well in the backs is, is, is Billy Hennessy because Sean Potter, I'm not really too sure what, what the situation is, but he did go off at half-time in the Sigerson uh, final uh, during the week. Yeah, yeah, never a good sign. Like, in Croke for the second half, had a good first half. Um, yeah, like, geez, they don't want him now missing too much. Like, you know what I mean? They've, I think they've Galway and Meadaway coming up, which are probably the three biggest games, you know, against the best teams and you need your best players like it's just a pity because Sean Mean was back and if you would Mean at three and Powder at six and all your 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 back line is starting to shore up and adding in Billy Hennessy and then for a bit of physicality so um, yeah it's, it's it's no harm look I suppose it, Billy I suppose played a bit into county hurling so um, it's a bit of a baptism of fire I suppose going up to Derry really playing yeah. his inter-county senior debut like I suppose uh, Keith Rickon he's, he's constantly saying that we, we shouldn't obsess over results and uh, he's sticking by his word in fairness there has been progress we've new faces uh, we've uh, a new goalie as well of course the Air Rogues man uh, Christopher Kelly uh, starts uh, tomorrow for his for his first start Yeah um, I think on Chris Kelly like I think Michal Martin I think they knew they were going to get a couple of games each I suppose you can really see in the in like in the team selection going back to the Grand Cup there's, a cha- there's an awful lot of change um, all the time guys are getting their getting their, their go you know John Hurley came on done very well against Clare and he gets a start you know um, so you'd like to see him kind of be a bit more consistent now and, and maybe someone like Sean now to play well again this week and make sure he's not left out of the team the following week you know what I mean so yeah, yeah he is going young um, I think like he says results doesn't matter I, I'd, I'd love like to, to blood the young fellas but not at the Expense of staying up in Division Two, like I, I yeah. said, in Division Three, like and, and you're into Titan Cup territory there. Like you want to be staying in Division Two, which is really competitive. now you know what I mean. So, um, look, I, I hope, I hope he, the, the, the ideal scenario, I suppose, would be young lads. They gain a bit of experience, gain a bit of confidence, and they find their feet, but they stay up in Division Two. You know what I mean? I take 
I take t- third bottom now at this stage, you know what I mean? So um, I think that would be a bit of progress and come 12 months they'll be in a far better place when they're in Division 2 next year. Yeah, exactly. As you say, Galway coming to Parky Cueve next week. So, I mean, promotion really would be off the cards anyway if, if it is actually a, a real target for this team if they didn't get the win this weekend. Yeah, like they're, they're Cork's probably two biggest games at the moment will be probably Offaly and Down. Like, geez, and it, like if they it, it, that point against Clare was important. If they can pick up yeah. anything at all in the next two or three games, you know, going um, it would be a real boost. Like, because it'll be do or die. I'd say against Offaly and Down, you know, so. Um, and they'll probably come into down towards the end of the league when they have their um, Kilku boys back as well, you know what I mean? So that'll be a really big game from towards the end of the league. Absolutely. Well, it's going to be an interesting test uh, tomorrow for Cork with the new faces. Uh, Paul, thanks a million for joining us in the Big Red Bench. No matter lot. Yeah, I suppose just uh, on the subject of, of goalkeepers there, there's an excellent article in The Examiner by Christy O'Connor um, all about the evolution of, of the goalie in Gaelic football. Um, which it's a great read and uh, Kieran McGinney I suppose gets a lot of credit in there he he chucked an outfield player in well I'm, I'm paraphrasing the article now which is kind of half the point but uh, he put an outfield player in goals that had some bit of goalkeeping experience back in 2016 and uh, I suppose that kind of kick-started it mainly in Ulster I suppose the uh, the evolution of, of the roaming goalie I suppose is the term that they're they're settling on um, also in GA News the Congress is next week and we will finally have an answer to what type of football Championship uh, will be used next year. Uh, Cork have almost kind of reluctantly put their sport behind the green, the sport behind the green option, uh, which it says as confusing as you would expect. It's a 16-team championship seeded based by the provincial championships. Um, there's going to be like 24 of these games then, which will reduce the championship from 16 teams to 12 teams. There's going to be. A, a provisional quarterfinal and you know it'll be knocked down to eight teams then it's I suppose it might be better than what we have now but um, the red option the last time or was it plan B sorry uh, option B was the one that was uh, kind of proposal B was the one being favoured by a lot of a lot of counties but uh, there seems to just be issues somewhere with all of them and uh, obviously I think we spoke last week uh, about Ireland trying to introduce a third tier and the parallels between the likes of the provincial councils and the likes of the Munster Senior League in 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 football in Ireland, like they don't want to give up the power they have, and you know uh, I suppose this is a way of kind of pleasing both and uh, getting as as competitive a championship as possible and uh, one that's fair to the players I suppose. Also, there's uproar at the fixture congestion at the moment. Players playing colleges hurling and football, and Sean Potter, as we mentioned there, went off injured during the week in the Sigerson final. Uh, UL lost then and he was pretty much a, a, a massive player for UL kind of the reason they did end up losing that game really because he was fantastic in the half back line and he's a massive loss for Cork hopefully it's nothing it's nothing major um, it mightn't be I haven't really seen any news on it but uh, yeah there's a lot of players like that uh, David Clifford was on the bench tomorrow for Kerry as well who's played a lot of games um, and obviously Jack O'Connor himself came under some stick the Kerry manager uh, for playing Tony Brosnan and, and, and Jack Savage in two games in one day but that's just the way it is. The, the calendar's really congested congested at the moment. Um, the GA, funnily enough, I also saw they're tidying up on the dimensions of the slitter. Uh, I think they should just get rid of the yellow one and that'll be fine. Fixtures tomorrow, uh, as we said, Cork versus Derry. Also in Division 2, Roscommon versus Clare. Meath versus Down, Galway versus Offaly. And in Division 1, Kerry play Donegal and Tyrone play Kildare. Now, uh, Dublin are taking on Mayo at 7pm in Division 1 of the National Football League in Croke Park, of course, um, after the ladies' game is finished up. Um, a renewal of that, that famous old rivalry over the last 10-15 years. 
and um, Ashling O'Reilly has been reporting on the latest instalment of Dublin versus Mayo. It's Mayo versus Dublin under the lights here in Crow Park. Throw-in is at 7.30pm. The last time Mayo faced Dublin was at the semi-final stage of last year's All-Ireland. It was a knockout blow which brought an abrupt end to the long dominance of the Dubs in the All-Ireland Football Championship. But things have not gone exactly to plan for either county since. Mayo went on to lose to Tyrone in the final as their All-Ireland heartbreak continued. While the Dubs have lost both of their opening league games to date this year against Armagh and Kerry. Meanwhile, Mayo drew with Donegal in their first league game before beating Monaghan in Clonus a week later. There's a big boost for the men from the West tonight as we see the return of two-time Young Footballer of the Year, Oshin Mullen, who makes his first league start of the year. The Dubs will be hoping to rediscover their winning ways as another loss tonight will put Desi Farrell's side in big danger of relegation. It's Mayo versus Dublin. Throw-in is at 7.30pm here in Crow Park. Top flight leaders are Mahos Monaghan in an all-Ulster account also at the Athletic Grounds and it has finished at Croke Park 2.15 to 2.3 to Dublin against the Cork Ladies footballers and uh, we'll have John McCarthy very, very soon for a report on that. Leinster, uh, as I said, leading 29-7 um, at the moment and not much left in that either. They kicked off at five. Um, on to the Fitzgibbon Cup, of course. Finally, they are coming to a finish. There is still Ryan Cup going on as well. The semi-finals were just today, but UL came from behind to win the Fitzgibbon Cup hurling final, 121-215. Mental enough finish, I suppose, going on uh, the, the the team as Harry Kane scores at the moment for, for Tottenham, but going on the team of last-minute goals over the last couple of weeks, uh, in the club hurling finals uh, Mike Kiley got the winning goal on the 63rd minute after Keane Lynch was sent off for NUI Galway which looks kind of harsh uh, I'll be honest with you but it was a massive turning point there with about 5 minutes to go and uh, yeah as Harry Kane has put Tottenham in front at the Etihad 2-1 59 minutes on the clock looked like it might have been offside but I think he's going to stand it probably will go to VAR as we all know and uh, I suppose by the time we come back from this Camogie chat we might have uh, a result on what's going to happen there um, in the Littlewoods Camogie League Division 2 Cork had a huge win over Kildare 4-16 to 2-6 uh, that was the full time score and they get their Division 1 campaign underway tomorrow the Rebels face Clare in Ennis ahead of the game Jer McCarthy has been speaking to boss Matthew Toomey On the big red bench now we are delighted to be joined by the Cork senior Camogie manager Matthew Toomey who has been busily preparing his squad and panel ahead of their first um, Camogie National League game away to Clare uh, next Sunday Matthew you're very welcome back to the big red bench Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Uh, it's a while since we last spoke, but how have things been going for you and your management team and your players as you prepare for what is a, a tough opener? Yeah, um, things are going fine. Like we've been, I think we have about twenty-one sessions done now at this stage. Um, very happy with the way things are going. Like we did a, a tough pre-season, and the players responded excellently to that. And um, no, we're very happy with everything where we are. Just kind of looking forward to getting the game under, but no, a competitive game to see where we're we're actually at. Like. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like any manager or management team, you need to see the players in action in in the cut and thrust of of, of a of a meaningful game. Um, you go to Clare uh, on Sunday on the twentieth, and you go probably to Cusick Park. It hasn't been confirmed yet, but this is a Clare team, uh, Matthew, that you know well. That only lost by six points to Kilkenny last year, and only lost by six points to Galway in the All Ireland Championship. They just missed out having beaten Westmead on a, on a place in the quarterfinals. They are always a, t- a tough team to play against and they'll have home advantage so you could I mean there's obviously other things um, as well involved Davy Fitz and his first game for Cork and I believe there's a, a family involvement in this match as well Yeah um, Davy's son is actually part of the management with Clare so just 
adds more to the circus, I suppose, like that. But um, yeah, look, we're clear. Like any time we play them down through the years, um, they'll, they'll give you a ferocious battle. We're expecting nothing less to go up there. I suppose there's going to be with Davy going back up there, and we've another two lads involved in the management as well from Clare. So that's going to bring an edge to it. But I suppose that's going to be the case nearly with every game we play this year. But um, going up there, like I suppose we're. I don't know. Like, as I said previously, to you, I suppose we're, we're going to do, use the nucleus of what we had last year. Like, there's no reason to self-destruct it, but we have a lot of girls showing. So, like, we've options on the table for us. So, it's just a game like this. It's a tough game. It's going up the the, the Cusack pack, as you say, more than likely. So, it's a, it's a good eye opener for us as well. But, like, we, you know, we know what's ahead of us. We're well prepared for us. Indeed you are and just on your management team look Davy naturally was going to get a lot of attention and headlines outside of the Cork camp but the other people you chose to be part of your management team there's some very specific roles there how have they settled in and how important are they to the future of Cork Mogi? Um, they're fantastic guys like um, like I suppose from what we had from the last few years uh, Teddy O'Donovan is our goalkeeping coach Um I suppose every team I've ever been involved with, with Douglas and when I got involved with Cork, I, I dragged him in with me as well. Like he's he's a just class guy, um, great goalkeeping coach, great coach in general. But he's, he's he he like you know he knows when the time is to have a laugh. If the ten, things are tense there, he's he's great for that. But he's also fantastic, just tactically wise, just warding your ear and all that. So he's vital. We have another guy, Anthony O'Neill, Neil's or like he's the players love him. He's brilliant, you know, and he's he's another one of these guys. He doesn't say too much. When it comes to the hurling side of things, when he does, you listen to him. And then obviously, Niall Collins has been involved for the last 10 years as well. He's, you know, he's probably the brains of the operation. He's got two lads in with him, um, uh, Brian Keller and, and Conor Weir. They're great guys. Um, and the hurling side of things, then the man, or the, the, the coaching side of things, they should say Brian O'Sullivan from the Bears, with John Manley from Middleton. And we also got a very interesting lady, Clean Sergeant. She's an ex Irish hockey player. Um, and her, her knowledge of sport and all this kind of stuff is just like she, she was on the car panel in 2018. But it's just her, she just brings new new stuff to us, which is fantastic. She's a great fresh air. Like, and yeah, so like, there's a couple of lads up in some care. James Hickey, as they say, Martin Collins, you can see Michael Collins is around the place. Like, very, very happy. It's, it, like, as you know, when you set out um, organising the management, it's very important that you get people, you know, that are on the same wavelength like we have a great crack we know when to work hard we, we, we do the stuff together we bounce off each other which is great so that's the thing that I've been extremely extremely lucky like I'm, I'm delighted with it and that's reflected I mean I haven't spoken to many of the players yet this year but Amy Lee your captain uh, touched upon it that it seems like a very happy camp at the moment it's early days in the new year the season hasn't really kicked in yet so I take that I take that point but from your point of view Matthew having the management team settled in everyone getting into routine you said something like 21 training sessions already is there a good buzz around the camp and is look this is a high this is elite level Camogie players uh, as you know these players these players drive a lot of things because they're so determined to get back to an all earned final and to atone for last year but from your own point of view and your management team's point of view it sounds like a happy camp is it and how, how much um, how much are the players driving ye on you know each training session to improve yeah I, I suppose I've, I've, I've said this on the record before like I, like when I came in coaching the lads I, I have to be honest with myself I learn more about them than they learned off me and, and th- that has always been the case yes they certainly drive it on like obviously we've like the, the, the coaches there they're, they're excellent and they push the players like but no matter what they give the players they just mop it up there's no issue um, it is very very important for all that kind of you know for the 
cohesion between us all. But like, even though we have a great management and great team, it doesn't guarantee us anything. Like, we just have to go and perform now. Like, there's been a lot of hard work being done, but we have to perform now. That's that's the key. And like, it's, it's the performance we're looking for um, against Clare is is huge for us. It's, it's it's like we're we're from Cork. We demand it. That's what we expect from the players. Like so, and they're the same. They did they, they like with training sessions. They demand demand the best of us as well. Which is it's it's a great way to have it. Like. It certainly sounds like and I'm looking forward to seeing the results of all of that and from your point of view as the manager you can train you can prepare you can lay down the plans but really I would imagine Matthew as a manager and as a coach getting to an actual game a competitive game you'll be you'll be delighted just to get to that point with everything that's gone on before with a new management team coming in all the headlines playing Camogie and winning Camogie is what you are all about yourself um, you must be looking forward aside from all the, the news around your squad you yourself must be looking forward just to getting out on that sideline and testing yourselves against Clare Yeah certainly like because I suppose like you know to get someone the calibre of coach like David Fitz involved with us to help us out is huge but there is an element of a, a kind of a, a media circus with it as well and, and, and like we probably more people watching us training now than we had in the National League last year you know that there's an element of that mm-hmm. but like you have to take the pros with the cons um, yeah we, like so there was an awful lot of pressure, I suppose, for that kind of thing on me then because of all this like stuff was going on and we were trying to kind of keep as low key as we possibly could, but obviously that didn't happen. But like we're just looking forward to get out in the field. Um, that's what we all want to do. That's what the, the players, the management, the whole lot of us, the county board, that's what we want to be out in the field and see where we're at. And like we're hoping to have a, a successful year, but you know, like we, we, we can only go game by game. Clare is, is, is a very ferocious opposition on, on Sunday, and we know that. And, and that's our main course. We're not, we're not thinking about anything else after that. Like, but my side of things, yeah, just to, just to get out in the field now is fantastic just to see where we're at. And just finally, Matthew, I mean, obviously the National League, once it's, it's kicked off, we've already had Kilkenny beating Limerick in your group by eight points. There are two teams that you're going to be facing shortly after. I know you're not looking at them now and you're focused on Clare, but is there a goal in your mind um, for this year's National League campaign? Are you looking to blood players or are you looking to kick on and go with a strong team or do you know at this stage? Um, well, I suppose it's, 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 a, it's a happy medium we're trying to get. Like, yeah, of course, we want to blood in players because, you know, there's no point having those kind of players there, unless we do have a look at them, like we after three challenge matches, I think it was, and there's some of them after holding the hand up that they need a place, and yeah, but like our, our goal, yeah, there, there is a happy medium, but we want to win this league, like as simple as that. Very good, and we wish you all the best in that. It begins next Sunday, probably in Cusick Park, but definitely away in Clare on the 20th of February. Cork beginning their Group 2 National Camogie Association League campaign. They'll be following that up with two home games against Limerick and Kilkenny, and we will be with them here on the Big Red Bench before, during and after each of those games. Matthew, uh, thanks very much for your time again, as ever, and everybody here on the Big Red Bench wishes you well in your first competitive match. Thank you very much, Sean. Thanks for everything. Yeah, Matthew Toomey there speaking to Jeremy McCarthy. And don't forget, you can get the Women in Sport podcast, which are every Thursday at noon. It is 2 1 to Spurs at the Etihad against Man City, 68 minutes gone. Harry Kane's goal stood. Um, now, finally, let's wrap up. Jar was at Croke Park, of course, where Cork took on Dublin in the Ladies' National League. Here's Jar. Final score from Croke Park 
Dublin 2.15, Cork 2.3, a chastening defeat for Shane Ronane in his side's second Lidl LGFA National League clash of the season. It, the night belonged to Dublin, who were superb from start to finish, with Hannah Tyrrell finishing with 1-9, um, a, a converted penalty, and the rest from freeze, bar one from open play. Other than that, Cork were, on, were second best on most sectors of the pitch. They relied on late goals from Libby Coppinger and Anya Terry O'Sullivan to put a bit of respectability on the score, but in truth, Dublin were the better team throughout the evening and Cork can have little complaint with the outcome. The half-time score of 1-9-0-2 underlined Dublin's dominance, a superb Nicole Owen goal in the sixth minute, handing them an unassailable lead. Cork fought gamely throughout and Libby Coppinger's 48-minute goal reduced the deficit temporarily, but Dublin kicked for home despite Anya Terry scoring the second of their goals, with Hannah Tyrrell landing a, a converted penalty five minutes from the end. No doubt about the winners here, Dublin convincing winners and they march on in the league for Cork, their 2022 National League campaign is all but over. I'm Jeremy McCarthy reporting for the Big Red Bench from Crow Park and again the final score from the lead in the National Football League clash Dublin 2-15 Cork 2-3 yeah, thank you, Jer. That is all we have time for. If you missed the show, you can catch up uh, on redfm.ie or the Big Red Bench on all major podcast platforms. Stevie G's on the way next. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.